You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey. Brave the Wild is available on thesportstuff.com and on iTunes. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It's a pleasure to be back on the air once again today. And ladies and gentlemen, I predicted the Wild to go 2-2 two and two this past week, but I, I, I figured they'd get 5 out of 8 points. Well... Like I was talking about on the last show, if they got eight points, it would be truly remarkable. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> the Minnesota Wild did get eight points this past week, and yes, it is truly remarkable. How can you not be excited right now to be a Minnesota Wild fan? I mean, I, I'm just like, I'm blown away. I'm just stunned. I mean... Devin Dubnik, I mean, that's all i got to say, Devin Dubnik. Just just look at the goals allowed this past week. Just look at it. Against Toronto, the Wild win 2-1. to one. Against New York, the Wild win 2-1. to one. In a shootout. It went to a shootout, so I was right about that prediction, that it would get out of regulation, but only one goal allowed. <clears throat> and the Wild ultimately win in the shootout. Two goals allowed against Calgary. That was a late score, too, by Marcus Granlin, the younger brother of Mikhail Granlin, and a 4-1 to one victory by the Wild tonight against the LA Kings in a back-to-back effort. Devin Dubnik played in all four games. Yeah, you can kind of guess where I'm headed when we get to the awards segment. But also, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I had stopped mentioning the number of the episodes on the show. Of course, I number them as I'm doing the shows and put them on the websites and everything. So you still know what the episode number is, but I didn't mention it on the shows as much. That's just a little advice I was given in the past. But on this episode, I must, and I mean must make an exception. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is the 100th episode of Brave the Wild. That's correct. So it couldn't come at a better time to have such a positive week for the Minnesota Wild. The only thing better would be maybe they win the Stanley Cup or go to the Stanley Cup Finals or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be well. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of better things, we'll say. But a undefeated week, that's a nice way to symbolize where we're headed with the Minnesota Wild. And on this episode, per se, it's a very all-around positive episode. 
which means very unlikely I'm going to be passing out a James Shepard Memorial this week. And in fact, in advance, I'm going to say I will not be passing out a James Shepard Memorial this week. It is just This is just going to be a show that has a smile on my face and a smile on many of you out there across the great divide. <laughs> Our Minnesota Wild fans, regardless if you live in Minnesota, Iowa, Kansas, Canada, or <laughs> or Finland. And I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe there's a possibility that some Finns out there listen to Brave the Wild because I hear a lot of Finns like Minnesota. And, of course, the Minnesota Wild have a lot of Finns on their team, maybe even some Swedish as well. But, anyhow, <clears throat> let's get on with it. This show is probably going to be slightly longer than normal because we will have a third segment, and it's going to be all about episode number 100. So, with no further ado, Monday, March the 23rd, the Minnesota Wild head to Toronto, Ontario, the home of <clears throat> the fabled Toronto Maple Leafs. At least they were once upon a time, but they haven't won a Stanley Cup since, well, <laughs> the first year that the second wave of expansion hit the NHL. Or, well, let's call it the first wave of expansion, to be quite honest. Now, just because they're the original six doesn't mean they're the only six teams that ever existed, because there was an older Ottawa Senators back in the day. There was a Seattle Metropolitans, and there were other teams as well. So, just saying, they were the six remaining original teams out there, and there was a band there where they were the original teams. <laughs> or, I mean, they were so there were only six teams at the time as well, because other teams disbanded or whatever. Unfortunate for them. But then we had another wave of six. That was the North Stars, the, the Flyers, the Penguins, the Blues, who went to the finals that year. Good for them. That was the last time they've been. Or was it, yeah, they went two years in a row, I believe 1968, and they lost, and they haven't been back. Damn. So the Blues and the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs haven't been back to the Stanley Cup finals since. Oh, that hurts. And they haven't won either. So on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The team that looked like they were going to be promising, and they, when they actually did make the playoffs at times in the late in the mid '90s, they went on a playoff run, a lot like the New York Islanders. This year, I had a nice feeling about them, and in fact, a couple of years ago, I had them in the finals with St. Louis. How crazy is that? That would have been the greatest greatest finals ever, <laughs> or was it Boston and St. Louis? But whatever, we'll worry about that. We'll worry about that some other time. Devin Dubnik was amazing in this game, getting 35 saves against the Toronto Maple Leafs who have been struggling mightily. Really mightily. And the Wild win their ninth straight road game. Unbelievable. Just unfreaking believable Just everything fantastic about the Wild this week. Everything positive. Air Canada Center. Over 18,000 people were there and watched the Wild win 2-1. to one. Now, this is going to be a tale of two lines this, this week as well. Early in the week, the third line was the heroes. And in fact, most of the week, to be quite honest, Charlie Coyle and Thomas Vanek <clears throat> hook up on the first goal very late in the third, in the first period. Coyle's 11th goal of the season, Vanek's 30th assist. That was wonderful. And then Vanek early in the third. And this game was a kind of a grinded out type of game. The Wild uh, struggled, uh, or yeah, the Wild just were not scoring goals because Bernie A, Bernie A, Bernie A, pardon me, is a excellent goalie. There's no doubt about it. It's just Toronto's just overall play hasn't been up to par. But they played very well in this particular night. And a lot of us were wondering, Meg, my goodness, are the Wild going to win this one? Who knows? Toronto putting 36 shots on net. 36 shots on net. Jake Gard- Gardiner getting his fourth goal of the season. With about six minutes left, put Toronto back in it. Tom, uh, yeah, put Toronto back in it, pardon me. A 2-1 to game. 
They continued to pepper Devin Dubnik, but Dubnik shut them down at every opportunity they had. It didn't even matter. Even though the Wild weren't scoring, because Bernier is a really good goalie, Bernier, and even though Toronto was attacking him, it just didn't matter. Devin Dubnik, no matter how well the second line played, or at least they, they factored in the scoring, per se, they were they were clutch in the moments they needed to be. They finished when they needed to. Devin Dubnik, ultimately, the hero, night in and night out this entire week, and he was against the Toronto Maple Leafs in a very <laughs> an unattractive game to watch. But, hey, if you like goalies, it was a great game. Yeah, without a doubt. Bernier and Dubnik. Of course, Dubnik winning that du- uh, that duel. So, uh, back-to-backs, both of these, both, both cases this week, both duos of games were back-to-backs. That's another reason I thought the Wild were not going to have a sweep this week. It just shows how remarkable they're playing right now. How remarkable are the Minnesota Wild playing right now? It's just, oh my God. And I'll be talking about that in the second segment about their uh, standing right now. It's just, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll say it right now, but I'll get more into it in the second segment. The Wild are now in third place in the division. They are now a division leader. They are no longer a wild card. At least for this moment, they're one point ahead of the Chicago Blackhawks. And there isn't a soul that could have told you the Minnesota Wild would be ahead of the Chicago Blackhawks this season. Even when we were playing good, there were, you know, the odds of that happening were pretty slim. When we were playing terribly, that's like climbing Mount Everest on a unicycle. Basically, what's next? We're going to catch Nashville? Well, don't don't look now, but we're within seven points of the Nashville Predators. Uh, I mean, it's unlikely, but uh, I mean, is, is there anything left to doubt right now? Is there anything? Is there anything left to doubt with this team right now? <laughs> and if the Minnesota Wild somehow win this division, or even even more insane, somehow win the President's Trophy, all the conversation of okay, Devin Dubnik, yeah, could you know he should be in the conversation of Hart Trophy. Yeah, he should be in the Hart Trophy conversation, which, for those of you that might be new to hockey, is the most valuable player in the National Hockey League, the Hart Trophy. <laughs> and no, it's got to go to Price of, of Toronto, or excuse me, Montreal. It's got to go to him. It, it can't go to Dubnik. He came too late. It's, it's just too late. You, you can't give it to him? No, if the Wild finished with the division championship or top record in all of hockey, anything like that, I'm sorry, Devin Dubnik's the Hart Trophy winner. End of story. Ball game. Devin Dubnik wins the MVP of all of hockey. I'm, I'm sorry. There is just no argument for me at that point. If he doesn't get it, that's an absolute shame and a joke. Okay, Tuesday, March 24th, Minnesota heads into New York, Islander land. The Isle. Before they move to Brooklyn, it'll be the Wild's last chance to play in the Island. Nassau Veterans Memorial. Yes, sir. Only 16000 in attendance because it's a small arena and it's old. And it hosted the great dynasty of the early 80s, the New York Islanders back then when they were, you know, awesome and unbelievable. Four straight Stanley Cups and they kicked the North Stars' butt. Much to our chagrin. As great as the North Stars were during that run, the Islanders were greater. And they steamrolled, they buzzsawed the North Stars. So this will be our last opportunity to uh, play in that building. Unfortunately, it's all over. It's a dump and all that stuff, but it kind of sucks to see them leaving the aisle and heading to Brooklyn. Oh, goody. What good did it do the Brooklyn Nets, you know? Yeah, they just spent a lot of money. They got slightly better for a little while, and then, bam, they're garbage. They suck. Is that going to help the Islanders? I don't know. At least the Islanders are playing better right now, and I think that's a good thing. 
I like the Islanders. I'm actually quite happy to see them playing well, to be quite honest. Another goalie duo, by the way, because Jaroslav Yaroslav <laughs> Halak is back in that, like I was talking about, and I figured he was going to be a problem in this game, and it could have been. He stopped 31 shots. 31 shots. The Wild only scored tw- uh, once. Ultimately, they, they beat him in the shootout. But the two best players for both teams were the heroes in, well, in the scoring columns. John Tavares with his 34th goal and Zach Parisi with a wonderful 29th goal of the season. Top line right there. Actually, that was a power play goal. Pardon me. Pominville, Koivu, and Parisi getting together in that one. Actually, it wasn't a power play. I don't know what they were together in that one. <laughs> it, it looked like a power play at the time. It, it did, but yeah, it was a regulation goal. Granlin, I guess they just threw in Koivu for this one. It was like the old, the old line right there in the same power play line that everybody got sick of seeing too, to be quite honest. But hey, they score here on this one. Parisi attacking the net and finishing like he does best. John Tavares, one of the elite up-and-comers in all of hockey. 34th goal on the season. Ultimately, Zach Parisi was the MVP of this game, without a doubt. Even though Kevin Dubnik was fantastic, stopping 37 shots, you could argue he was the MVP. I mean, without a doubt, you could argue that. 37 shots for Devin Dubnik as the Islanders controlled the puck and attacked the Wild Zone the entire night, peppered Devin Dubnik, all that talent in, in the in the island. Just, they were fantastic. They dominated the puck almost the whole night. But Zach Parisi, well, he's the hero at the end of the day, because not only did he score the goal that tied the game midway through the third period, he also being only the second guy to attempt a shot, oh, the first guy for the for the Wild to attempt a shot in the shootout, he was able to score on it. And then ultimately, <clears throat> that's all that mattered in the at the end of the day, because Devin Dubnik stopped all three shots he faced. Nobody was scoring on Dubnik on this particular night. So technically, 40 saves, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, technically, 40 saves for Devin Dubnik on that night. So I guess they're co-MVPs for the evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Zach Parisi and Devin Dubnik could say, literally all the stars of the teams came out on this night. The top, I mean, both goalies are either the top or the second best player on both teams. And, of course, Zach Crazy and Tavares, the leading scorers. So it's like, there you go. Fantastic there. Nice finish for the Wild. And it's quite fine that the Islanders get a point out of it because they're not in our conference. We we know that. And I'd like to see the Islanders succeed in the Eastern Conference as long as we don't somehow lose to them in the Stanley Cup Finals. Right now, I don't think we would. I like our chances against the Islanders right now if the Wild played them in the Finals. Not sure about the Rangers. We'll be talking about them soon. Is there? Well, we'll see. Who knows? Calgary Flames come to town. Calgary Flames come to town Friday, March the 27th. And as I predicted, the Wild pull out the brooms. They pull out the brooms in a game that was close for quite a while. And actually, (laughs) yeah, actually Calgary scored early in this one. Only six minutes into the game, Josh Jurish with his 12th goal of the season. Matt Dumba on the power play with his 8th goal of the season. About five minutes later, tying it up. Uh, getting that slap shot off, putting it on net like he does, and it went by yet again. Matt Dumba, eighth goal of the season. There's no way he'll ever see the minor leagues again unless he just, like, I don't know, his his turnovers, like, kill him somehow and his confidence goes straight down. But ultimately, the second line connecting on another one, 
or excuse me, the third line connecting on another one. Vanek, there it is, his 20th goal of the season and his 10th season, 10th consecutive season with at least 20 goals. Congratulations, Thomas Vanek, Just, uh, Justin Fontaine and Charlie Coyle both connecting as the Wild just took over in the third period. They just took over in the third period. It was third line, second line, and first line ultimately in the game. Oh, as it was Vanek, Koivu, and Parisi ultimately. You know, you could have said that would have been the Wild's top line back uh, maybe a couple of years, I don't know, about maybe four, like four years ago or something. That would have been a Wild's top line. It would have been because, like, say there was no Grandland at the time. Stuff like that. You, you, you get the idea. There's no Grandland, maybe even, yeah, like Pominville wasn't here yet, that type of thing. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, all three of them score in the third period. Kind of like how they used to say earlier in the season when the Flames were looking really, really damn good, they're like the best third period team in all of hockey. Like, they come at you, you know, guns a-blazing. They are flamethrowers, <clears throat> pardon the pun, in the third period as they attack the hell out of Devin Dubnik time and time again in the past in the Saddledome. And Devin Dubnik stopped everything that came his way, and the Wild would win close ones, one to nothing or two to one, as they did. This one, the floodgates opened this time, as the Wild were the team on the attack in the third period. This time around, as of course nobody scored in the second, it was typical Minnesota Calgary grinded out hockey for a long freaking time. But that third period, the floodgates opened, and the Wild took over, and Marcus Granlin was able to, well, <laughs> make a second goal for Calgary. But it was too little too late, ultimately, for them. As Devin Dubnik did what he does, stop shots. He amazingly was not one of the three stars in this game. Zach Crazy, Mika Koivu, Thomas Vanek, the three stars, ultimately, in this one. Dubnik stopping only 23 shots in this game. So that's a huge reason why he wouldn't be a top star. Because the Wild dominated the puck more in this one, certainly, than the Calgary Flames. I mean, without a doubt, 35 shots against... Kare Ramo of the Calgary Flames. He just could not, he couldn't, couldn't face what the Wild had coming his way in that third period, and that was fantastic for us. With, out of doubt, the Wild were only on one power play, and they converted on it. The Flames were shut down by the number one penalty kill in all of hockey twice throughout the game. The Wild dominated the puck for the most part. And what's funny though, the funniest thing of all is how the Wild were peppering Ramo in that second period. Much more in the first and second period than they did in the third. They were just finishing on their goals in the in the third period, and it ultimately spelled doom for the Calgary Flames. And unfortunately for them, right now, if the season ended today, the Calgary Flames do not make the playoffs. And I think that's a rotten shame. Because I like the Flames a lot more than the Kings, and, the, and especially the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets. I, I like the Kings more... I like the Kings the second most out of that group. As for, you know, Winnipeg and Vancouver, they could just fall off the face of the earth as far as I'm concerned. I can't stand them. I, I just cannot stand those teams. I like Calgary quite a bit, even though, you know, even though I barely recognize the uh, the roster <laughs> compared to like a couple of years ago. But whatever. It is what it is, and good, good for them that they're back in contention again because... It seemed like when they suck, they stay bad forever. And it's it's just, it's sad. Like, it's like 10 years of sucking. Kind of like the Blackhawks did for the longest time. But I'm sure we'd take that back once again. Tonight, Saturday, March the 28th, the Minnesota Wild defeat the Los Angeles Kings 4-1. to And yes, there was an empty netter by Miku Koivu. 
but ultimately the stat of the night here, you could say, other than Devin Dubnik being fantastic again, is he stopped like everything that came his way, except for Dwight King's 11th goal of the season early in the second period. Basically everything that came Devin Dubnik's way shut it down like he did all night, and all you heard was doobs all night, and the Wild special teams phenomenal again, stopping all three power plays, and yes, that helped, you're helped when you have Devin Dubnik in net versus Darcy Kemper and Nicholas Backstrom, but also converting on the power play again, one of two, just fantastic. The overall special teams of the Wild, unbelievable. They also blocked 24 shots by the Kings, who did dominate the puck pretty much the entire freaking night, especially in that second period. And the Kings were the only team to score in that second period also. 17 shots on goal for the LA Kings in the second period. 32 overall for the night. The Wild very quiet with their shots, but they were finishing on them again. That's what's nice. I mean, they were just they were just finishing on them. Good for us. Ultimately, uh, another thing that did help is Jonathan Quick had to leave the game. Started off, the Wild scored two goals against him. Nino Niederreiter with his 23rd of the year. And yes, the second line scored on every single goal tonight. Every single goal. Nino Niederreiter. <laughs> A plus four on the evening. Just unbelievable. Chris Stewart. Man, he's, he is everywhere. He got two assists in the night. Great passer. Always where he needs to be. Puts the puck exactly where you need it. Miko Koivo, just an unbelievable, huge night for him. Three points for him, assisting on Niederreiter's goal. Then he scored as he was driving to the net. Chris Stewart feeding Koivu, basically like a lead pass, and Koivu finished it. That was fantastic. Chris Stewart uh, on the power play as Spurgeon shot the puck on net. Scandella also getting the puck to Spurgeon first. Spurgeon. Getting the puck on net, and Niederreiter deflecting it on the power play. 24th goal of the season. That was fantastic. And then again, Koivu with his second goal of the game and 14th of the season on the empty net as the Kings uh, had an empty net with a 3-1 to game. They're just doing what they can because they're, they're still no guarantee to make the postseason. That's unfortunate for them, but I certainly would not miss the, the Kings if they were out of the playoffs because I, I want the Wild to be the LA Kings now. The team that's Maybe maybe they're not like a favorite to win a cup, but then again, maybe they kind of are lately. But uh, yeah, you get the idea. They're not high in the standings, but they're this unbeatable force that rides all their way to the Stanley Cup. That would be truly, truly, truly awesome to be with, uh, without a doubt. Jonathan Quick faced nine shots and two goals against, unfortunately for him. But again, like I said, Dubnik, 31 saves, and all you heard was dubs all night, like you've heard every night lately. Another guy who's back in the mix again is Ryan Carter, and that means you're probably never going to see <laughs> Sean Bergenheim again. I don't think he's going to play ever again at this point. Uh, Braziak hurt a bit after the fight la- uh, last night, also scratched in the Minnesota, or yeah, against the LA Kings tonight. So there you go, Jordan Schrader on the ice, Kyle Braziak off. That's good for him, without a doubt. But ultimately, when Jason Zucker returns, Unfortunately for Jordan Schrader, I don't think we're going to be seeing him very much, barring in injury. But, see, it's a good thing to have so much depth, because if there is an injury, Jordan Schrader, baby, out on the ice with that speed and that explosiveness that he has, and he's also a pretty good passer, too. I mean, he's always breaking loose and, and getting a shot on goal, getting getting to the net, which you got to love Jordan Schrader. 
It's just his lack of special team skills that is hurting him. And that, you know, and just like in football as well, it's harder to make the team when you can't play in special teams. So hopefully Jordan Schrader can do that in the future. That's what used to hurt uh, Jason Zucker in the past. And that, that's also why he was, yeah, he was always in the AHL for about two years there. And it was also because he couldn't play on the fourth line. He had to play on a skill line, either one or two. And when he wasn't good enough to be on those lines, he's not going to, yeah, he's not going to be in the NHL. But then his defense got better, got to the, he started playing on the fourth line more frequently. And he was able to play on, on uh, penalty kill and such. And on the power plate. And it was like rock and roll. <laughs> there you go. Jason Zucker makes the team and contributes in a big way. And talk is that he will be returning fairly soon. And that's good news for us, without a doubt. If Jason Zucker does return, because it's a good problem to have when you have so many scores on your team that, gosh, some guys might have to be a healthy scratch a couple nights in a row. That's a really, really nice problem to have. And that's got me so excited, so confident in this team. Because remember how good Zucker was for the longest time? I mean, he was the leading goal scorer for the longest time. He was like the only goal scorer. Him and Parisi were the only guys scoring goals back when we sucked. So imagine both of them scoring goals and the Wilds start winning again. Also, another major, cool, exciting thing of note, Zach Parisi scored his 30th goal last night. It wasn't tonight, it was last night against the Calgary Flames. So there it is, 30 goals for him. He's now the fourth Minnesota Wild player to have scored 30 goals at least in one season with the Wild. Of course, Gabrick had done it four times. You had uh, Brian Ralston, as well, and then you had Jason Pominville last year, just last year, scored 30 goals for the Minnesota Wild. So there you go. Unfortunately for Pominville, I don't think he's going to be getting 30 goals this year. Nito Niederreiter, there's a small chance. Maybe he has a nice little, maybe he can throw throw in a hat trick here in one of the games, and or maybe have another multi-goal game along the way. We'll see what happens. Uh, one other thing to note, that's a pretty interesting statistic. It's Mika Koivu in his three-point night tonight. It was his 115th multi-point game. That's a pretty cool statistic, to be quite honest with you. Definitely had to mention that. That's a nice, nice little statistic, ultimately, for him. So, let's wrap up this segment with the awards, and it's going to go to one guy, without a doubt. There will be no James Shepard Memorial, even though I could almost give it to Matthew Dumba because these turnovers are killing us. But luckily, the guy who's going to win the MVP, he stopped a big one tonight when Matt Dumba turned the puck over. He saved the day, and that was, who do you freaking think? Devin Dubnik is the Mike Madonna Award winner once again for this week. Yeah, without a doubt. So, like an honorable mention for James Shepard will be will be Matt Dumba because of the turnovers. He turns the puck over in front of the net way too much. It's getting scary. That's the one thing that could just get him sent down one of these, uh, you know, at some point in the future. Though I don't think they will send him down. They're going to have to take the good with the bad, and hopefully he can learn and improve. And ultimately, that's what it's going to take. Honorable mention for, even though it's like he's far off because of how valuable Dubnik was this entire week. Just unbelievable. Um, but an honorable mention for the Mike McDonald Award winner, and it would be his first time mentioned in it, because he he, he struggled so bad for so long, and he just kind of kept getting better and better and better, and that's Thomas Vanek. If Devin Dubnik wasn't as amazing as he was this week, like say the Wilds don't go undefeated, I th- and if say if maybe Vanek scored tonight uh, when he had an opportunity on a breakaway, Thomas Vanek would have won the Mike McDonald Award this week for the first time. Better late than never. So there it is. End of the review segment. About as happy as I've been. (laughs) Let's come back to preview three games. And then on to the big 100 conversation in segment number three. 
shop on Amazon? Did you know that you can support this podcast just by doing your normal shopping on Amazon? It's really easy to do. Just go to thesportstuff.com and click on one of the many Amazon pictures. Do your normal shopping, and Amazon sees that we referred you, and they give us a percentage. We'd like to thank you in advance for supporting thesportstuff.com, and please use our Amazon link. Now enjoy the rest of the show. here on Brave the Wild. It is time for the preview segment, and it's going to be, well, it's going to be nice and short because there's only two games to preview. The Minnesota Wild, unfortunately, though, this is the unfortunate part, don't play until Thursday, April 2nd. I guess playing at home in back-to-back games wasn't the most uh, appealing thing, I suppose. So now we'll continue our homestand, hosting two extremely good teams from out east. And then, of course, we'll start the next week with an arch-rival candidate with Winnipeg Monday, April 6th. But that'll have to be on next week's show. Luckily, this will work out terrific with only, yeah, only two games to preview so we can hop right into segment number three and get on to episode 100 festivities or whatever we want to call it. Thursday, April 2nd, Henry Lug- Henrik, Henry, Henrik Lundquist and the New York Rangers come to town, a team that just might win the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and another t- yeah, <laughs> another team two nights later, the Detroit Red Wings, a team that's always a candidate to win the Eastern Conference, just because they're the Detroit Red Wings, and they, even though they haven't done they haven't done that in a long time. In fact, they've actually never won the Eastern Conference because it was the Western Conference that they used to win. But let's get on with it here. I've been bouncing all over the place already. Another goalie from New York making a comeback is Devin Dubnik going. You know, making a comeback from injury is Devin Dubnik going to change matters yet again. Well, Talbot was pretty good for the New York Rangers. Now they have the yeah number one record in all of hockey. They've clinched the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Well, actually, they haven't quite done that yet, but they clinched the, they're the first team to clinch the playoffs so far, returning very strong since their loss to the Los Angeles Kings last year, the long-awaited L.A. versus New York Stanley Cup Finals that the NHL probably so desperately wants and needs. Oh, my goodness. So many good players. Mm, Girardi, stall and defense. Step on. Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm-mm. Nash, though. Well, no, he's gone. What am I talking about? San Luis, day-to-day. Martin San Luis, day-to-day. He's pretty old anyway, right? <laughs> March 16th, day-to-day with a knee injury. Ultimately, though, the Rangers have been fantastic. And there's Nash. Yep, second line left wing, at least according to this. Though I'd consider him first line. Back, way back on Monday, October the 27th, the New York Rangers outdueled the Wild. 5-4. to four. So this was an early sign that Kemper wasn't quite having the best night of his life. And the Rangers got it done in Madison Square Garden with 18,000 people in attendance in that one. But the fact that the Wild scored four goals against Lundqvist, hey, not bad. Not bad. If, if we do that again, I think we win the game. I think so. 30 shots put on net in that night. Only 26 saved. Darcy Kemper was hideous. Five goals given up on 20 shots. 
20 shots. That's freaking hideous. <laughs> Fontaine had two assists in that game. I remember I remember it fairly well. It was kind of a back-and-forth type of game that just did not... Yeah, just did not go the Wilds' way, ultimately. In fact, they were doing just fine. The Wilds were up 3 to nothing, and things just completely went down the you-know-what. Just completely down the shitter. Prosser, Cook, Pominville scoring. Prosser and Cook, jeez, what the hell? <laughs> Fourth line getting it done there. Ryan Carter, all those guys. Getting it done for the Wild up 3 nothing, and then the Rangers make it 3-2, then Zucker makes it 4-2. Oh, we'll be just fine. Still, But unfortunately, there's 15 minutes left in the game. Broussard, Duclair, yeah. Derek Broussard, Anthony, Anthony Duclair, and Matt Zuccarello scoring along the way, much to our chagrin. And the Wild lose the game. Darcy Kemper loses his composure in that game. Just got his just got his ass kicked. Didn't look like either team was on their way to cup contention at that time. The Wild were four and three. The Rangers were five and four. It's like, eh, you know, you had your shot last year in New York. I'm not sure you're going to really be back in it. Now this just might be a preview of the Stanley Cup Finals. Who knows? No guarantee that it is, but it's a it's a possibility. I mean, I gotta throw that out there. The possibility exists that the Rangers in the Wild could face off, literally, in the Stanley Cup Finals come June. It's a very strong possibility. I don't think we're gonna have this type of game. It's gonna be quite different, to be honest. I think we're looking at a two to one, three to two type game between these two teams. Uh, the Wild scoring is all over the place, though, isn't it? I mean, you score four goals against Calgary and and. L.A., like, where the hell did that come from? The last time we played the Kings, we lost 3 nothing. That was unbelievable. And it was to this Jones guy that we scored, three, you know, two goals on tonight. Good for us. He's a pretty good goalie, too. Obviously, Jonathan Quick is one of the best on the planet, and everybody knows that. Lundqvist and Talbot are both good goalies. I do expect Lundqvist to be in that, especially against Devin Dubnik. I mean, it's kind of a statement type of game, just in case we do play in the finals. It's kind of, uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting things going here. New York Rangers with 101 points on the season. Man, man, man. Nashville with 102. So, yeah, the Nashville Predators have been playing significantly better of late, just to mention that. They did defeat the Washington Capitals tonight, and their point total is climbing. But the Wild with 95 Within seven points after the after Nashville wins a game, mm-hmm. it's getting very very interesting right now. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable to see Chicago and Winnipeg beneath us. But back to business here. Who wins this game? Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! I mean, uh, it's 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 a tough call. It really is. The Wild have won four games in a row. They're just playing fantastic. They really are. Can they continue it, though? Uh, luckily, the Wild are at home, and I think that gives them a slight edge, even though the Wild are actually better on the road, and they've won, like, ten games in a row on the road, which is, like, unfrickin' believable The Wild played... I mean, it was just... They played well in New York, and then everything went down the crapper. That was what was so disappointing last time around, but again, two very different teams here versus then. The Rangers not playing as well lately, they lost to the Los Angeles Kings last Tuesday. They beat Ottawa 5-1. to They beat Hamburglar 5-1 to in Ottawa. Wow! Um, that's crazy. So, well, huh. And then they lost tonight to the Boston Bruins in Boston. 2-4 to tonight. 4-2. to Excuse me, 2-4. to That was pretty dumb. So they're all over the place right now, even though they're doing really good in that Metropolitan Division. They're winning it right now. They're all over the place. i got to look at that Ottawa game. I mean, it's like, geez, that's kind of a tough one. The good news is, yeah, that Lundqvist was rusty. That's the good news. The bad news is, is he's still going to be rusty again. (laughs) 
Hammond lost his first regulation game at this point in time, that being Hamburglar. Hammond, you know, you know who that is. Think about it, though. They were all, well, he got pulled. <laughs> Hamburglar gave up five. Yep, they all were Hamburglar. And then Chris Dregger, something called Chris Dregger, took over and stopped ten shots from the Rangers in mop-up duty. Unfortunately for him, he just it had to be that way in that case. Mm. Ah, huh, huh. They shelled Hamburglar. That's not good. The good news is Dubnik outdueled Hamburglar last time around. Oh my, where do we go with this one? The fact that Lundqvist will probably be a net and and might not be might not be all that great yet. I'm gonna pick the Wild to win three to two. We may end up giving the Rangers a point in this one. I wouldn't be too surprised, but I have the Wild winning three to two. Uh, or even 4-3. to three. I mean, the Rangers, uh, well, their scoring's all over the place. I'll go 3-2 to two for the Wild in a possible, like, overtime scenario to make a long story longer. I'm extending this longer than I would have liked, uh, and uh, I apologize for that. So let's move on to Saturday. Yes, we are in April now. It was uh, Thursday, April 2nd for the Rangers. Saturday, April 4th, Minnesota and Detroit, the old rival back in the day. Especially for the North Stars, but you know, for the Wild in the Western Conference, Detroit Penguins, Detroit Penguins, what am I talking about? <laughs> I'm just BSing. I remember how that was the Stanley Cup Finals, but two years in a row. Detroit Red Wings beat the Wild 5-4 to in a wonderful game for the Wild. It looked like they were going to win. They wound up with a point at least. This was a situation where it really, really looked like the Wild were dead. And then they made a huge comeback and it was so cool. So, so exciting. I still remember that one very well, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm trying to see. Uh, yeah, was, was, who was in that? Yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. This was, yep, I remember this very well. Right after we got Devin Dubnik, just a couple games, you know, he'd beaten Buffalo and, and, and Arizona. Ooh, the two best teams in hockey. No, the two worst teams in hockey. Arizona's got a terrible record right now. They're really, really down. They're the worst team in the Western Conference now after giving up what Dubnik has become. Uh, Dubnik, just awful. Just awful. Giving up four goals. By the second period, he'd faced he'd faced ten shots and, and stopped six of them. And he was pulled from the game. Think about that. Can you imagine the words Devin Dubnik pulled? Can you imagine that right now? I mean, there's always a possibility. And then Darcy Kemper came in and was respectable. He was very respectable, stopping 14 shots the rest of the way, about midway through the game, literally halfway through the game. Yeah, because Zetterberg scored his... What am I looking at? I'm looking at the wrong thing. Uh, It wasn't Zetterberg that scored, but ultimately, yeah, it was uh, Olette that scored. Huh. Yeah, less than halfway through the game. And then the Wild make a huge comeback in the third period. Parisi already his 18th goal at the time. I mean, you just see how well Parisi was playing at the time. He was carrying this team, trying to resurrect us from the dead. Not only did he score on the power play, but he had an unassisted goal on a turnover in the third period at the time to tie it up. But then ultimately we lose in the shootout, and it was devastating. The Wild, Parisi and Koivu couldn't score. And Dotsik and (laughs) Nyquist both scored on their attempts. So... Kemper went from great to just lame in that shootout, and I remember that oh so well. Oh, look at me extending this way too long, but yeah, I mean, it was a history-making night for the Wild. It was a historic night. Dubnik actually got pulled, but it was the beginning, ultimately, after that. After that game, things changed for the Wild, and it was really cool. So that's why I extended that longer than I needed to. It was the beginning of the Wild saying, hey, you know, we're gonna, 
start performing here. And they did. With that said, the Wild hosting the Detroit Red Wings. Do I have them winning? I guess. <laughs> I mean, they have all these good players still. The Detroit Red Wings are a fantastic team, and there's no doubt about it. They have 92 points on the season. They were playing really well at the time that the Wild played them. They've they've lost a they've doubled their losses since then. Unfortunately, we certainly haven't done that. <laughs> the Wild are actually ahead of Detroit now, which is fantastic. They're third place in their division though, so they will definitely be in the postseason, most likely. Jimmy Howard was also not in net that night. That was another major thing. He was out. So gave us hope that the Wild might win that game. Well, Datsyuk, but Datsyuk is day to day with a lower body injury. Sheehan day-to-day with an upper body injury. So they have all kinds of, like, nagging injuries, but then again, I guess that's sports for you. Ah, boy. How has Detroit been playing of late? That's another question. They've kind of had their ups and downs. They won tonight, though. They beat Tampa Bay 4 to nothing. Jimmy Howard with... No, it wasn't Jimmy Howard. It was Marzak. Sorry, Marzak with a shutout. 4 to nothing. So will he be in net again against the Wild? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. He didn't play that well against us because we beat him. We almost beat him last time around, but he was good enough in the shootouts. Howard had been struggling. Boy, five five goals given up against Arizona. Six goals given up against San Jose. That's not good. But a huge rebound tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's another thing that makes things interesting for this game coming up. I'm going to have this one be a win for the Wild. Again, a possible shootout type of situation. We'll go with 3-2 to two again, I suppose. I mean, 3-2 to two again, I know it sounds lame, but <laughs> I'm not going to have three goals or four goals given up by Devin Dubnik at any point. I don't think they're going to do it to him again. But it's going to be interesting to see how he plays against the team that did get him, that beat him up pretty bad last time. That's when it's going to make things really interesting. We're going to see what Dubnik really is made of. What if he shuts out the Detroit Red Wings? Wouldn't that be something? That's only two games away from the for the Wild, but four games away for, for Detroit as they play the Islanders, Ottawa, and Boston before the Wild coming up. In fact, tomorrow they play the Islanders, so they're in a back-to-back situation. We'll see what happens, but Mrazek, who is definitely a goalie of the future candidate for the Detroit Red Wings, Red Wings will make things quite interesting indeed. Peter Mrazek, I remember talking about him last time around. So let's wrap up this segment before I extend it any longer, other than the fact that the Wild are now the third... Are, are are now in third place in the division and fourth place in the in the conference. We would have home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs right now. <sighs> just can't believe it. It's it's weird saying that. It would just be the first round, but it's still quite fascinating indeed. So with that, let's again take a break and come back for the 100th episode festivities. are back here on Brave the Wild segment number three 100th episode celebration for Brave the Wild wow as Barry Manilow would say looks like we made it yeah I mean we're talking a long long time ladies and gentlemen this show started way back episode number one 
Yes, it had to be. It had to start at episode number one at some point, didn't it? Way back in August 24th, 2008, it was titled, Will Gabrick Sign or Be Traded? The history of this team, quite different, but still, history of this team, definitely taking place during the course of time with the Brave the Wild show. And I want to, I mean, it's been a long, long ride. And if anybody out there has listened to all 100 episodes, meaning this one included now, wow. I wonder who that is. It, it would be me because I always listen back to every episode for quality control. And you know, I like to know if I'm doing a good job or if I'm giving you garbage. That's why the audio sounds better and better and better. That's why my personality hopefully improves per se or like my presentation improves. Personality, presentation, whatever it is. That's what I'm here for, guys. I, I'm here to give you a good product. And because I love the team so much. And I don't care what the trolls out there say. And I'll talk about that some more as we move on. That's where we started, though. August 24, 2008. We're talking almost seven years ago now. I mean, about six and a half, but more than six and a half years ago. It's been a long ride. So a lot of history is taking place over the course of the Minnesota Wild. We'll be talking about that shortly. But as we jump into the other milestones, the, as I called it, silver episode for the Minnesota Wild, only episode 25, which sounds pretty fledgling, doesn't it? That was recorded, or published, on October 12th. It was recorded maybe the day before, as Dylan usually would publish it. Nowadays, I get to publish it, so it's quicker, even though we're still on the same site, and I'm kind of like the vice president of operations, you could say, of TSS now. Back then, I was like a temporary uh, contractor. <laughs> no, I'm just making fun of it. But... Um, yeah, 25th episode took place October 12, 2009. It was titled Some Change, Some Similarities. That's when I was talking about Todd Richards and such. That there's some changes and some similarities to the wild at that point in time. I was kind of like, I was basically like, I don't know what's going on right now, but um, we'll see. I mean, it was kind of like the same team that doesn't score that much, but they're, they're playing a little bit more open style of hockey, not that neutral zone trap that drove some people crazy. So... Unfortunately, though, we knew it happened to Todd Richards. That bit him in the butt over the course of a two-year span. He he just wasn't that good, was he? He just wasn't that good, yet he always beats us with those Columbus Blue Jackets like he did once again on New Year's Eve. I think we had another New Year's Eve not that long ago. The Wild never win the New Year's Eve game, ever. 3-1. to one. Devin Dubnik on the net, in the net. So the Wild were still in their developing stage with Devin Dubnik at that point in time. 3-1. to 3-1 to one against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm. Anyhow, 50th episode took place October 10th, 2011. That was the golden episode. So it's interesting how it was literally about literally about two years apart. It took that long for 25 episodes. But <laughs> there was a stage of time here where it seemed like <laughs> episode 100 to be like five more years from now. Things were going so slowly. And I'll talk about that some more in a minute. But yeah, that was the 50th episode of the season. Neil Nate Dog Thiesing was on his like fifth or sixth episode with the team. It was uh, it was very fun to have him on board. We had a really good time. It was a season preview of 2011-2012, so the, it was the first milestone that was actually one of the major shows of the of of the year. Because there's always the season preview, State of the Wild. Those are like the two major shows of the year usually for my podcasts of all my shows that I do. But uh, this is the third show of my uh, of all to get to 100. As you go from 25. You go from 1 to 25 to 50 and now to 100. This is the third podcast in my quote-unquote career, since I'm not, like, you know, <laughs> raking in the dough or anything. But this is my third This is my third different podcast to reach 100. So 
That's a that's a pretty cool milestone. It makes me feel experienced quite a bit. Purple Mafia achieved that quite a while ago now. I, I can't even remember what year. I think 2012, if I remember correctly. And then 2000, early, yeah, 2013, Timberwolves Explosion reached the 100th episode with Marcus the Forecaster. That was pretty fun. The uh, first episode, or 100th episode of Purple Mafia had Dylan Richardson on board. This time around, I'm going solo. And it's because it's, it would have been kind of on short notice. I don't really want to call anybody right now. And I, and I like the way this show is going with me solo at this point in time. But I would sure welcome Neil and Nate Dog Thiesing on board once again. As long as he's uh, good and ready to go, I'm, I'd, I'd have him on. I can't bring him on cold, though, and he's just kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, the Wild did good. That wouldn't be a very good show. No. <clears throat> Well, so the coaches, since we started Brave the Wild way back, and it's not that long ago, but it seems like, but I mean, but really, yeah, it seems like a long time ago, and in a lot of ways it is a long time ago. I mean, you think 2008, that's not that long ago. It is seven years ago, man. <laughs> so since we started Brave the Wild, Jacques Lemaire was the head coach during 08-09. He was in his final season with the Wild, if you can believe that. Man, that's how old the Wild, I mean, that's how long ago the Wild were around, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I... This show goes back to Lemaire. That's like a while ago already. Todd Richards then coached in 09 and 11. He was fired after defeating the Dallas Stars in his, what turned out to be his last game as head coach of the Wild. And then Mike Yo was hired after a, a bit of dancing around with Craig McTavish. Looked like he was going to be the guy, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, I guess not. Mike, is, we thought we were going to go with experience this time around. No, we go with a young guy, Mike Yo, who bounces all over the place. We've had all kinds of up and down shows with the guy. Early on, I was like, man, this guy's gold. By the end of the year, I was like, boy, he's not that good. But we'll see. Maybe he's just developing. It's just his first year. And then his next year, with much higher expectations, you have the hot and cold bull crap going on again. And he <laughs> looked like he was on his way out if we missed the playoffs that year. But then we, we win against a terrible Colorado team and sneak into the playoffs that year. That was nice. But he was basically on the hot seat at that point after getting shelled and destroyed by the Blackhawks. And then all the bouncing around that took place. The next year, we were higher. We looked really good. And then we had a really low point in the midseason in December-ish. And then it was a remarkable comeback to prominence. And then this year, both uh, cases even more so. And, of course, good moves by the general manager and outbursts by Mike Yo And practicing after a loss, the Wild have been unbelievable since then. So since that outburst, the Wild have been pretty good at practicing after a loss. Now, they had some bad games after that, but still, a couple weeks after that outburst, it finally took place, that practicing after a loss ended up being a legendary thing for the Minnesota Wild. Playoff appearances since the show started. Well, we yeah, we made the playoffs in 12-13 with uh, Zach Reese and such, but got beat by the Blackhawks in, <laughs> in five games. And then last year was fantastic. 13-14, of course, 2013-2014 season. Minnesota Wild. Went in against Colorado, were competitive the whole way. This time we lost the first game, but made a comeback, won the second. So it was a bit different from all three, but ultimately the finish was awfully similar. As it went to overtime, and the whole game you thought Chicago or Colorado was going to win it. The whole game you thought Colorado was going to win, and they didn't. <laughs> the Wild just kept answering every goal that Colorado scored, and Mike Yo looked like an awesome coach at that time with the way he kept the Wild's composure fantastic throughout that entire series. Just kept them even keel. He was just so even keel despite all the up and downness of the team. And ultimately, it earned him a uh, three-year extension. This year, it looked like he was fired without a doubt. 
but ultimately, no. <laughs> now he looks like one of the better coaches in all of hockey again. So I don't know what to think. I'm just glad it's working out, and I'm glad uh, that the buttons he's pushing are working. So good for him, without a doubt. Yes, sir. Uh, an amazing fact about that, though, way back, well, not way back, but yeah, I guess it is a while ago now, about three and a half years ago, episode 50, when episode 50 took place with me, and, me and Neil, Neil Nate Dog Thiesing, the Wild had not even made a postseason appearance yet during the course of Brave the Wild, so that's kind of sad. But likely this year will be the third in a row. It'll be a three-peat. The Wild are going to make the playoffs, I would think, with 95 points right now with a good amount of time left and playing as well as we are. I think we're going to score over 100, or we're going to get over 100 points this year. That'll be awesome. But uh, this team had zero playoff appearances at the time, so this was kind of a depressing show in a lot of ways, <laughs> to be quite honest. It's, uh, yeah. We'll talk about that here in a second. Point number six, the playoff record in a Brave the Wild history. Well, it's 7-11 and 11 right now, and the furthest we've ever been is the second round in 2014. Again, Neo Rider's wonderful goal, the Wild winning in seven at that case. Of course, yeah, we start off with the Wild losing four games to one to the Blackhawks. They win four games to three against the Colorado Avalanche last year, and then lose in two, uh, four games to two against Chicago. Had it not been for the infamous stanchion bounce, whatever it is, and the Wild went through that again this this season in a couple of games. If not for that crazy, unlucky BS, who knows, maybe the Wild would have been 3 <laughs> would have been going through 3 again, but they would have probably ran into a freight train again with the <laughs> LA Kings this time around. The California curse. Oh, you do not want to run into the Ducks or the Kings in the playoffs. Ugh. Ugh, I don't know. Mm. Point number seven. And an interesting show in the history of Brave the Wild it was very early, way back in the fledgling days of this show. Way back. Episode number 8, January 11, 2009. The title of that show was Wild Future at a Dead End. <laughs> that was bad. I mean, I, I was the first in local media to call for Risebrow's head while showing just how empty the cupboards were the, the cupboards were in the, in the system, particularly Houston at the time. I keep wanting to say Iowa now, but Houston at the time. And, of course, the system in general, like overseas. Uh, we even had a team called the Louisiana Ice Skaters back in the day. I'm not sure we were affiliated with them anymore, though, at that point. We had the Ice Skaters way back, like in 03. They were still around. <laughs> Dave, my buddy Dave Reinhardt, his his wife um, is from Louisiana, and she used to say, the Louisiana Ice Skaters. She, she, she knew who they were, and she, she was very proud to, to know that because not many people know about the Louisiana Ice Skaters as they were the second minor league affiliate for the Minnesota Wild back then. Unfortunately, I don't think we're affiliated with them anymore, and that's a shame. I kind of wish we were. That's cool, the ice skaters. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, But yeah, I was, uh, yeah, long story longer. I was one of the the first people, in fact, the first people in the media, you could say, calling for Riseboro's head because nobody in the system was was really worth a damn. I mean... (laughs) This this wasn't what you'd call an angry show, but a very telling one. It it's you know, and it's conveniently right around that time. Beyond the pond was saying the covers are awfully bare for the Minnesota Wild right now, and the, among the prospects, there's like nobody left. Like what the hell? There is nobody. Uh, there's nobody there that's worth anything. It seems like the only players we get are from trades, and that's giving up like third round picks, and then they're not even good players anyway. Or, oh, we got a free agent, Brian Ralston. That's good. He'll score a lot of goals, but never at a clutch moment. They're just, they're not like super high quality goals. It's like, 
yay, we lost 4-2, to two, but Brian Ralston got his, you know, 35th goal of the season late in the third period. That's what kind of goals Brian Ralston scored, quite honestly. I, I was never a huge fan of his. And in the shootout, he was absolutely useless. Ugh. But that was kind of the history of the Wild at that point in time. I mean, you had a million players taken in the draft that did not pan out, whether they were first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks, fourth-round, fifth, sixth, or seventh. You get the point. They all didn't work out, and the only ones that ever did work out were first-round picks. He never hit on a second-round or a third-round pick. Okay, sure, Nick Schultz and (laughs) Josh Harding. Well, Josh Harding had some moments, ultimately, but it took about eight years to get there. Eight freaking years. And then, oh, conveniently, many years later, once he finally looks like a great goalie, he has MS. That sucks. That's that's, That's a damn shame. One guy that a lot of people thought was the best player in the whole system, Patrick O'Sullivan, never did anything in the NHL. Never. Never did anything in the NHL. Just, eh. You know, he'd score a couple goals here and there. But quite honestly, I mean, I'd rather have Eric Halla than Patrick O'Sullivan, to be quite honest. And he was a seventh-round pick. Seventh-round pick. I would much rather have Eric Halla. I'd probably rather have Tyler Grayovac at this point than Patrick O'Sullivan. Yeah. That's... And he was looked on as the top prospect in the whole frickin' system at the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's that's That was Doug Risebrough, man. I mean, Nick Schultz, second-round pick. He looked really good early, and then ultimately he was just the kind of guy who'd get about eight points a year. He was just a boring, average, stay-at-home defenseman. Just an average, just average at best, to be quite honest. The happiest show, <laughs> as we happen to number eight here, the happiest show had to be the 4th of July fireworks show, episode number 56. It was ultimately released July 8th to 2012 because I just couldn't get around to it, even though the trade or the signings took place four days earlier. Um, but I wanted to see the press conference and everything first. But yeah, me and Neil talked about the signings of Parisi and Suter on that show, and that was really quite a blast. And it's changed the history of this franchise in a lot of ways. It showed that we're really, really, really after the cup. Uh, Definitely. Point number nine, as I numbered this kind of funky, point number nine is finally the happiest overall moment, though, of the course of Brave Wild was when Nino uh, was no surprise. Nino Niederreiter scoring the game-winning goal in Game 7 last year in Colorado was it hit the post and went in past <laughs> Varlamov and Patrick Waugh saw <laughs> his team lose at home in the Pepsi Center uh, 11 years later in a seventh-game situation in overtime once again thing of beauty. Thing of absolute freaking beauty. So let's wrap th- this this all up with a statement that I gotta tell all of you right now about this show. Uh, ultimately, I apologize for the inconsistency in releasing this show over the years, you know? I mean, I really do. I mean, I've been significantly better this year, though. <laughs> I've been releasing it pretty much every week, and that's helped me get to 100 a hell of a lot faster, hasn't it? It's amazing how this show survived you know, really, d- despite these facts, you know, of not releasing the show, sometimes uh, of like six, you know, like six month hiatuses at times. We're talking, you know, and then maybe getting some nasty, nasty like review on Twitter or Twitter. I can't believe a <laughs> nasty review, uh, nasty reviews on iTunes that it sounds literally when you read the review, you can tell the person listened to maybe five or six minutes of the show. And it was maybe the first five or six minutes, and that admittedly, I was bouncing around too much. But the show dramatically improved after that. 
And it just shows the attention span of people today. They just, they can't handle it. If the show isn't off to a fantastic start, literally, like, three seconds in, they're going to turn it off. And there were valuable lessons that I had to learn, and I hope I've improved that over the years. But at the same time, it it's sad that those reviews are still out there, because nothing you can do about it. They're there, and they're stuck there, which pisses me off. But it, it's just, it's sad that people can judge a show within the first five minutes and they're done forever. That's BS. You know, it, it pisses me off. And yeah, again, I went through six-month hiatuses either because sometimes I just, when you have three shows or, or four, whatever it was, three shows for for a while there, you know, Purple Mafia, and that season was picking up at the time, and the Wild were so uninteresting some of those, some of those years. Now, some of these years they've been really interesting and I still had hiatuses. I mean, that hurts this show. And it really, 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 I think, hurt the listenership of this show that I think could have picked up in a in a big way had they released it more often. And if not for the nasty reviews on on iTunes during, like, shows, maybe I, it was my first show back after six months, and maybe things weren't, like, all, like, 100% here and now. I was trying to make a little catch-up deal, just a slight catch-up deal. So ultimately it's the worst show ever, according to some people. <laughs> Just stuff like that. It, it it all came back to hurt the show. And there were times I thought about just hanging it up and just saying, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this show anymore. It doesn't look like anybody likes it. <laughs> and I got Purple Mafia to do, even Showtime and T-Wolves, Timberwolves Explosion. I got these other shows to do. And plus my work schedule just sucks. I, especially sometimes when I, and it gets into like April and May. Sometimes it, it gets really hard with the lawn service majorly picking up at those times. And of course, November's tough as well with fall cleanups. And, uh, you know, I, I get tired sometimes having to work till midnight at times at at, uh, at my regular job, which is second shift. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And having to watch games back because of that as well. And finding the right time to have the show. And one other thing, too, is... There were times I really wanted to have Neil Nate Dog Thiessing on, and then he'd get really sick, and okay, maybe he's going to come back. Oh, he's not back. And he's going to come back, and he's not back. And then a month later, it's like, ah, eh, I'm not going to record it right now. Maybe next week. And then next thing you know, it's like two, three, four, five months, six months later. I haven't recorded Brave the Wild, and I'm guessing a lot of listeners just kind of forgot about the show for, for some reasons. So, again, just so many reasons this show could have easily not made it to 100. I, I feel so good right now. I feel so good to be able to say this is episode 100 of Brave the Wild. We made it indeed. I mean, I I can't... I, I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart, and I can't tell you again how proud I am that this show made it to episode 100 at long last. I really hope the next 100 come, come a lot quicker this time around, and next time we have one of these, we'll be talking about at least one Stanley Cup championship, which four years ago was a far cry from the slightest of possibilities. (laughs) It really was. This team was so uninspiring at the time, and even though Chuck Fletcher was already the general manager, it was still too early to tell just how things were going to develop. It looked promising, but ultimately, you know, the results weren't there yet. We were still missing the playoffs with the Todd Richards and such, and the first year Mike Yo took over, this team had... (laughs) And Warren Peters at, at first-line center that season. Kyle Brozniak, or no, Kyle Brozniak was a first-line center, and he had 40 points. That was nice for him, 
But we had like nobody else. It was ridiculous. It was so frustrating. But ultimately, here we are now. Stanley Cup contenders. And that's ultimately the title of this show. Cup contenders. Because we are. So again, hopefully, ultimately, next time around, episode 200, we'll be talking about the times the wild the time or times the wild won the Stanley Cup. I'm going to leave with that thought. All of you <laughs> have dreams about the Stanley Cup tonight because I probably will. Take care everybody. We'll be back next week. Thank you.